Warning, this show may contain adult language that is not suitable for all audiences. This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter. Welcome to the year-end show for the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, and this is a tradition like every other, because every other platform seems to be doing the uh, year-end show. But I'm happy to do it with some of my friends, colleagues here. We've got Sean Alshadi, Brian Campbell, Mike Bond, Mark Raimondi, award-winning writers from award-winning platforms. So appreciate all of you for uh, doing this with me once more. It's always fun to uh, recap 2022 and talk about uh, an array of things, as well as recap where uh, all of our missteps were from last year. Although we did, did have some really good predictions uh, that, that we are going to get to. So let's, let's uh, touch on that. Let's talk about the fight of the year. There were a lot of great fights this year. We're going to start off with uh, Mr. Sean Alshadi, who's joined by his son, Case, in the background. Uh, <laughs> if, if you uh, are able to watch some of the video of this, I'll be putting it out over social media all the time. But here's Sean. Yeah, sorry about that. You caught me on my babysitting day, so I didn't really have an option It's here. called parenting, uh, Sean. Parenting. I, I'm I'm learning that slowly, Aaron. Hopefully, this guy doesn't throw up or and or poop uh, in the next hour. Fight of the year. This one feels easy to me. Uh, we had a really good year. There were a lot of uh, really incredible performances all around. But I mean, it goes to the greatest light heavyweight fight I've ever seen in my entire life. It's Yuri Prohaska, Glover Teixeira. I will hear no other answers. Like that is the given answer. It's one of the wildest sights I've ever seen. Just the drama throughout all five rounds. Then to finish it as Yuri did, uh, that has to be fight of the year for me. Shots fired at uh, Jones versus Gustafson. BC, fight of the year. Uh, I, th- I think the Arizonian nailed it right there. Uh, it was a Rocky movie come to life. And talk about one of his contemporaries. It was like Gilbert Burns versus Hamchet Chemaev, only on steroids with a championship title at stake. We are lucky to get fights as great as like, you know, Chandler versus uh Poirier like we did this year, but nothing's touching those light heavyweights. Those guys decided to be real men that night. And we're lucky to get the kind of camera clarity and uh, vocal clarity that you have from being someone who is on a multi-time per week show. It looks phenomenal. Um, You guys can't, only I can see it as well. So it's like a peek behind the curtain for everybody else. Mike Bond, fight of the year. Yeah, I'm going with uh, Yuri and Glover. I think I was the only one fortunate enough to be cage side or on site for that event in Singapore. And it was just as good being there as it was rewatching it for the second time, uh, you know, on ESPN Plus or Fight Pass or whatever. Then the third time after that, best fight of the year, best fight I've seen uh, both on television and in person. So easy pick in my opinion. Even Dana White wasn't cage side for that one. Uh, Mark Exactly. BC has to be careful about when he says things are on steroids for someone who has been tested by USADA as much as Yuri Prohaska. But that is my, of course, pick for the year, USC 275, Prohaska versus Teixeira. A little sloppy at times, but a whole lot of fun. I mean, just entertaining as all get out. Really, really a, a fun watch. Violent, uh, you know, so many opportunities for finishes. Uh, it was, it was a, I don't know if it was the greatest heavyweight fight of all time, like Sean said. That would probably be John Jones versus Alexander uh, Gustafson, but that was this was a damn good one. Yeah, let's call this one consensus. Uh, I'm with all of you guys on this one. It was just like being on a roller coaster. It just every time you thought the fight was about to be over, something crazy happened, and then until Glover just finally ran out of gas. I mean, at that age, to even be able to last as long as he did in that fight is pretty remarkable in its own right. Fighter of the year. Uh, this one might be consensus too. I'm seeing a lot of people on the same page for this one. So let's start off with Mark Raimondi. It's got to be Alex Pajeda, right? It's got to be. It's got to be him. I mean, he's he went three and zero. He knocked the hell out of Sean Strickland back in July. He finished Israel Adesanya in the fifth round to win the UFC middleweight title. I don't know if there is a better pick. 
Alexander Volkanovsky obviously had a great year and he is one of the best pound for pound. But as far as just this year, 2022, it was, it was a Poetan's year. All right, Mike Bond. Yeah, agreed. We actually just dropped our fighter of the year, male fighter of the year today on MMA junkie. And, uh, I think our staff picks were like eight to four in favor of Perea over Volkanovski. I was the one, one of the what people who voted for Perea, and uh, yeah, he's the guy. I mean, to go from unranked to UFC champion, doing what he did, uh, I think his you know quality of wins, if you're comparing it to Volkanovski, uh, at worst equal, right? Like you know Volkanovski beating a Korean Zombie. I don't know if that's at this stage much more of a quality win than beating Sean Strickland, given where he was at and the streak he was on, and then you know beating Max Holloway for a third time. As emphatic as it was, I think you know Perea being the first guy to beat Izzy at 185 kind of gives him the nod. If Volkanovski had finished Holloway in that fight, I think we're probably having a different conversation here. But given things played out how they did, I think Alex is the pick. Alex Perea, that is. Brian Campbell. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, unlike normal fighter of the year ballots because this is the fighter of the year on steroids. Oh, dear. I'm just kidding. Uh, by the way, when we're talking about the greatest light heavyweight fight of all time, did you guys ever see Dan Henderson versus Shogun Hua won? I mean, what are we doing here, guys? Really, right? Uh, steaks, steaks, BC. Steaks. Yep, steaks. It tastes like steak dinner, like Ruth Chris. It was fantastic. Uh, seriously, yeah, Poetan, po you're the man. Well, you guys said it best. John, it is you're on the same is. page? Yeah, absolutely. This one's unanimous for me, too. I mean, we had a lot of really good uh, standout performances and really standout campaigns throughout the year. I mean, you, Alexander Volkanovsky, Islam Makachev, Iweili Zhang, even you could throw in Leon Edwards in there with just the one fight that he had. But ultimately, it's 3-0 and Alex Pereira. This is a guy who came into 2022 having virtually no MMA experience, and he leaves the year having knocked out uh, one of the pound-for-pound -pound kings and being UFC champion. It has to be him. Yeah, I'm, I'm of that same opinion. I mean... The guy had such little fanfare going into the year. Of course, we all knew the history, but still a, a pretty remarkable turn of events uh, for him. Uh, last year, we gave our predictions for who would be the champion at this time. And now we're going to give our predictions for who's going to be the champion at this time next year. But let's go over a recap with the Astraweights. All of us thought it would be Rose Namajunas. One person, a very wise man of this panel, Mike Bond, said Carla was going to be a very tricky fight for Rose Namajunas. So of, of, of all of the different uh, opinions, I think Mike Bond had the best of them. But uh, let's go to uh, Sean Alshadi with uh, the strawweight prediction for next year. Man, this division is so tough every year because it really is sort of a rock, paper, scissors situation that we have going on, right? I mean, Rose Namajunas can beat Whaley. It seems Whaley can beat Jessica Andrade. Jessica Andrade can do very well against Rose, and then Carla's in there as well. Uh, this is a tough one to predict, but I think it does. Come, the belt does come back to Thug Rose by the end of this year. It's just, he, if, if Zhang is going to be the champion, I do favor Rose in a, a third fight between them. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. Brian. Yeah, look, uh, here's the thing. Uh, when Rose, when they say about her, when she says it herself, that she's the, the MF and best in the world, um, when she's at her best, that's still true. It is. It really just is. So, you know, maybe Pat Barry's onto something. Every three fights, she seems to need to, like, have a weird one and come back down to earth. But at least this weird one was in a, you know, KO loss or something where she got, you know, solved or audited inside the cage. Instead, it was the weirdest title fight I've ever seen since Woodley Thompson, too, right? But uh, Rose is still the best fighter in the history of the 115-pound division. Maybe not yet in terms of accomplishments, but put her best nights up against anybody that equation's not wrong now, guys. I mean, what are we doing? What, what, seriously. Mike Bond, who you got? I'm going to say it say, 
say it stays with Zhang. Um, I agree with what these guys are saying about Rose, but something tells me that Rose might not even get the title shot this year. I think they might try to keep those two apart. I don't know when she's going to return against who. Uh, I think we might actually need to see like two wins from Rose before she gets the crack at that belt. I think they want to keep those two away from each other. I think the UFC wants Zhang Wally's champion, and they're going to try to give her maybe like an Amanda Lemos or someone like that um, to try to keep that belt around her waist for a little while longer. Mark. I'm going to go with Rose Namunas. I think the same thing as uh, everyone but Mike Bond over there. I do think that she, look, she's beaten uh, Zhang Weili twice. I mean, that's not, it's not by accident. I still think that she's the kind of the cream of the crop of the division. Cream of the crop, by the way, Macho Man uh, shirt. Uh, yeah, I think, I think Rose is, uh, is the champ by the end of 2023. I'm going to stick with, uh, with Mike Bond here and go with Zhang Weili. I, I think that her game has uh, risen to a new level. It just seems like her physicality has gone to uh, another level that we haven't seen before. Her wrestling seems to have really improved. And she did give Rose a lot of fits in that second fight, a fight that a lot of people thought that Zhang did win. So let's not forget about that. She's been more active. I'm going to go with Zhang Weili as being the champion at this time next year. Women's flyweight last year, everybody said Valentina Shevchenko. Do we have any dissenting opinions? Put up your hand if you believe that at this time next year, Valentina Shevchenko will not be the champion of the women's flyweight division. Well, I mean, Brian was sitting next to Aaron Blanchfield on a couch, I think, today or yesterday, and still believes that uh, Valentina is going to be the champion next year. But I think that Blanchfield can give her... Who do you think would be would give her the, the biggest run for her money right now? Why don't we just go around the table with that? Who, who would be the toughest challenge at flyweight, specifically at flyweight, for Valentina Shevchenko? Mark? Tyler Santos. I think that rematch would be the toughest challenge. That was a really hard fight for Valentina back in June, and I think if they ran it back, it would be an equally hard fight. Mike? I'm going to say the winner of Santos versus Blanchfield. BC? Um, I'm going to say a name that they don't say too many times in these parts unless you're in Patchy Mix's house, and that's Tatiana Suarez. But we need a healthy Tatiana Suarez. So, uh, you know, let's stay tuned. Sean? I like the Suarez call-out. That's, that's really a forgotten name in this division and someone who I, I was predicting, predicting years ago would take this title, and we just really haven't seen her. So until she comes back and I could see it in action, it's hard for me to take her. It, in terms of 2023, the most difficult challenge to me feels like it would be Talia Santos. If you're looking at 2024 or 2025, then I think I would pick Aaron Blanchfield. She just needs a little more time. This is the most interesting the division has been because you've got Manon Fioro, who we haven't even mentioned here. She's ranked number one. You've got uh, Blanchfield, who's coming up. We've got Tyler Santos, who gave her a run for her money. Right now, it's actually probably the most interesting that we've seen this division. Uh, the bantamweight division uh, on the women's side last year, Mike Bond, Mark Raimondi, Sean Alshadi, Amanda Nunes, myself, Juliana Pena, and uh, BC Holly Holm. So th those were the picks. I mean, <laughs> ours didn't age that well, did, did they, BC? <laughs> they never do. But hey, Holly's like over 40 and still ranked. I mean, I mean, she's never fallen out of the rankings at Bantamweight, ever. Yeah, it's I never mean, happened. Everybody in the division That's the because there's like eight fighters at Bantamweight. <laughs> and notice she'll also never appear in the featherweight rankings ever either. Sean, who you got? Bantamweight champion. There's never been featherweight rankings. Bantamweight for this year, I actually have Valentina Shevchenko. I think eventually they will run back that fight and it will peak into some sort of uh, really like, you know, champion versus champion sort of scenario. And and I think Valentina would take it in this, in this instance. I, Amanda seems like she's sort of maybe not near the end of her career, but she's certainly past whatever prime we, we saw from her. I think Valentina would take it if they fight again. And I think they will fight again this year. BC, who you got? Um, it's going to be Amanda Nunes. And, um, you know, I was always of the opinion that Shevchenko would win the trilogy when they eventually make it. 
and you know it's like am i scared just by talia santos showing that valentina can be human again in this weight class 125 for the first time can be human even though a third fight with amanda would be at 35 but dude that comeback performance for amanda against uh, juliana was just what the doctor ordered to take away any remaining doubt it's still going to be newness i mean you know th she is the greatest of all time guys very true fun I'm going to say, Amanda Nunez, I do not think that Valentina Shevchenko fight happens this year. Mark? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Bon on this one. I think Nunez is the champ by the end of the year. I don't think the Shevchenko fight happens. And, uh, I mean, maybe the Pena fight, maybe the Pena trilogy does happen in 2023. But I think Nunez has the formula. She has the game plan now to, to win that one. And I don't see anyone else in, in what's a pretty thin division uh, taking her out. I'm going with Nunez. And I think even if that Valentina fight does happen, that Nunez will win that fight. She just needs that motivation. I think that that's what uh, that Pena loss did for her. And uh, she looked better than ever in that rematch. Women's featherweight. Will there be a division at this time next year? Who knows? But Kayla Harrison does have two fights left in the PFL. Last year's predictions. Everybody except Mike Vaughn said it would be Kayla Harrison as our uh, current UFC women's featherweight champion. She has not fought in the UFC, nor has she signed to the UFC. She remains in the PFL, which was Mike Vaughn's prediction. His other prediction, Amanda Nunes, which is going to be the uh, featherweight champion. At this time next year, do you guys think that there is a featherweight division? Do you think that Kayla Harrison's in the division? And do you think that Amanda Nunez is still a champion if there is a division? Let's answer those three questions very quickly. Mark? Uh, that's a good question. I, I, I do think that Kayla Harrison ends up in the UFC at some point. Will it be soon enough to say that she's the women's featherweight champion by the end of 2023? I don't think so. I think they're pro I mean, look. Will there be a division, Aaron Bronstetter? There's not really a division now, if we're being honest. Uh, so I don't think much changes a year from now. I think it'll still be Nunez's champion. Maybe she gets one defense in this year, and maybe that Nunez-Harrison fight happens in 2024. Oh, by the way, I should mention that uh, BC's Holly Holm prediction was predicated on Nunez focusing on the 145 division because Kayla Harrison <laughs> Wow. I, I should add that as well. <laughs> I mean, you're I the guy that keeps asking me to come back on this show, not me, all right? How many featherweight fights were there this year? Like, I, was three, four? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I think they're all in Felicia Spencer's classroom right now. That's what I think. <laughs> Mike? Uh, I think Kayla Harrison signs with the UFC by year's end. I don't think she debuts, and I think Amanda Nunes is still the champion. BC? So I don't think the title gets defended this year. I don't think they even try it. Could Amanda Nunes still be considered the women's featherweight champion at this time this year? Yes, but I believe UFC will be waiting on what happens in the Kayla situation. And if Kayla comes, it goes back to one of my previous year predictions. They got to do a combined women's heavyweight division in the UFC. But Luke Thomas dropped something on my ear today when we pre-taped an episode. He said, I like your, your theory there, BC. But what if UFC says, man, we don't need a 45 or a 55 or a heavyweight title whatsoever. We're dropping those divisions. And hey, uh, Kayla, your best bet is Bellator, so go fight Cyborg on CBS. Hey, that's not a bad idea, actually, right? I think you could do worse, Sean. No, I think they keep this division, if only in name only, uh, as long as Amanda Nunes is an active fighter and not retired. So I, I, I full confidence she will be the featherweight champion by the end of this year. The real champion right now so far has been your, your son, who's sitting very quietly in the background there. I feel very jealous of uh, of you having such a nice kid. Don't jinx it, Aaron. It's very early. He's being uh, an angel, though. All right. Well, let's hope that continues. Uh, men's flyweight division, we had BC and Sean predicting it would be Askar Askarov, who is no longer in the UFC as the champion. Myself Oof. and uh, Mark Raimondi predicting 
that it would be Brandon Moreno. We're sort of half right because he's the interim champion. And Mike Bond being the most right out of all of us with uh, Davis and Figueredo as the champion. So let's, uh, let's go to Sean Alshadi for his prediction for flyweight champion at this time next year. Well, I certainly can't do worse than Askar Askarov. I don't even remember that. That's a bad one. Me and UBC, we went down on that ship. Uh, let's see. Flyweight. I mean, I think ultimately by the end of the year, the man who is, in my opinion, the best flyweight in the world, Alejandro Pantoja, will somehow work his way into a title shot and win that title shot, and he will get the title that he is just basically stuck behind this revolving door of, you know, obviously these fights are awesome. I'm not complaining at all, but he is sitting here waiting, and I think eventually he'll get it, and he will become champion. BC. I think uh, Kai Car France is going to bounce back big. And I think obviously this division has so much parody and they're making amazing fights in the post DJ and Cejudo era. But I don't think anyone can hang on to this because they're all pretty damn evenly matched on any given night. Kai Car France came close against Moreno. He could be the interim champion right now. It didn't go his way. I think he bounces back and actually closes this year and shows, uh, you know, that skills, you know, win these fights. And, and in that gym, they got a lot of skill. I mean, it's true. Mike. I'm going to stick with Davidson Figueredo. I think he wins this fourth fight and then uh, defends against whomever else ever. But one that's potentially off the board, I'm going to say Marab Devalishvili is a potential one who can maybe drop down. That's what I'm considering, but my actual pick is Figueredo. Yeah, he has been talking about that for some time. Mark? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Brandon Moreno. I think he wins the fourth fight. He just turned 29. He's still very much in the prime of his career. People forget, you know, Figueredo maybe hasn't been around at the high level for a long time in the UFC, but he's 35 years old. Uh, you know, he has skills that do end up deteriorating when you get older. Just ask Brian Campbell. I think Moreno takes that fight and he ends up being the champion the rest of the year. PC, any retort to that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if uh, Figueredo can ever make 120, 130, 125 again. He's right. I agree with that. Well, I'm going to go with uh, Sean Alshadi, actually, and say Alashan Pantoja doesn't have any miles on him, really, in recent years. It seems like he is somebody who's kind of slipped under the radar, and he's just going to wait for that opportunity to get that title shot. He's earned it, and I think that his skills have continued to build up. I, I, I was very worried by what I saw from Brandon Moreno in that fight against Kai France, despite the win. It looked like the miles were starting to catch up with him, and then with Figueredo, I wouldn't be shocked if this is the last time he fights at flyweight, so... If it ends up being a fight between Figueredo and Moreno, if Figueredo wins, perhaps he vacates the title and then you do Moreno versus Pantoja. If Moreno wins, I think Figueredo leaves the flyweight division and then you have that Pantoja fight anyway. So I'm going to go with Pantoja. I think that right now he's somebody who has the skill set to beat just about everybody in the division. Um, all right, let's do, move on do to... Do you think, Aaron, do you think uh, Figueredo vacates the title on the scale? He's not just going to do it willingly and just be like, hey, here you go. Let me be a contender in the most loaded bantamweight division. Well, maybe. I mean, I don't know. I will say this. When I saw him most recently, he looked like he was pushing like a buck seventy-five. He looked big. So uh, I, that wasn't very recently, but that was back in, what, Arizona? So, you know, the guy's got some work to do. Not, not that he can't cut that kind of weight, because a lot of these dudes do cut a, a vast amount of weight over time. Uh, let's go to the bantamweight division. Last year, Sean Alshadi on an island with TJ Dillashaw. The rest of us know better with Piotr Jan, who went 0-2 in 2022. So, uh... <laughs> Maybe Sean was the most right because he only went one zero uh, and one this year. Uh, did Dillashaw? So uh, let's go with Mark Raimondi. Who's going to be the bantamweight champion at this time next year? Honestly, this is this is maybe the toughest one that I, that I've uh, that that we're we're talking about here because that division has uh, you know so many great fighters at the top. Aljamain Sterling has uh, has managed to stay the champion despite some you know decisions that maybe went his way and the disqualification. I think. 
I think that they will do the Cejudo fight. I'm not sure who wins that. And then O'Malley is kind of waiting in the wings. But I think that waiting in the wings after O'Malley is a guy named Marlon Chito Vera. And I think that he's hitting the prime of his career. He's 30 years old. And I think that he's going to win a, another fight, maybe against a Corey Sandhagen, someone like that, maybe against Peter Yan early in 2023, and then get the title fight later in 2023, and then beat whoever is the champ, whether it's a Sean O'Malley or, or an Aljo or, uh, or a Cejudo. I think that Chito uh, has the inside track on being the champ uh, at the end of next year. Mike? I don't hate Mark's prediction. I just don't think the timing is going to work out. It seems like the UFC wants Aljo. He's the champ to be active this year. So we're looking at maybe Cejudo in March and then uh, maybe O'Malley in July. I don't think he's going to be willing to get another third fight in after that against potentially Cheeto. So I am going with Aljamain Sterling. I think his toughest fights in Jan and Dillashaw are actually behind him. Uh, I think you know, Cejudo coming off that layoff, maybe a more style-friendly matchup, and then certainly O'Malley is. So I think uh, we see Aljo get two title defenses in this year. Uh, maybe if he pushes three, that Cheeto fight happens. But right now, I think that's the schedule for Aljo, and he wins them both. DC? Yeah, you guys are in luck that I checked the crystal ball this morning, and although my crystal ball was different than you guys, I did see the accurate future, and here's what's going to happen. Cejudo's going to beat Sterling for the title, but he's going to like get hurt doing it and need some time off, so it's going to be a Cheeto-O'Malley rematch for the interim title, and we're going to close the year talking about the winners of both facing off to kick off 2024. So it'll still be Henry Cejudo, and it'll be a triumphant moment, but uh, as great as this division is, Man, I always pick against him, and he always wins. And, um, you know, it's like he can do this again. He really can. This guy, I mean, the guy's cringe as shit, but he could do this again. So it's a hudo, and it's not, I'm not trying to be a hipster. I'm just trying to be accurate. Sean? No, I learned a long time ago, uh, really last April, uh, I guess, that I just got to stop doubting Aljamain Sterling. Like, this man is, is the bona fide champion of this division. He is the best fighter in this division. And as Mike said, I think his toughest stylistic tests are behind him. Uh, for Henry Cejudo to come off the couch after two years away, three years, whatever it's been, and fight someone who has been as active as Aljo and been as motivated as Aljo, I just think that's a recipe for, for not working out for him. I think Aljo takes it uh, and holds this belt by the end of the year. I do want to... Uh follow up on what Mark said, because I think that if, if not for Alex Pereira, Cheeto Vera would be very, very close to being the fighter of the year. Like, I, I think he would be in the conversation. He's had a phenomenal year and has looked really, really good. But I, I'm just looking at it from a matchup standpoint. If you're looking at Cejudo versus Aljo, I think Cejudo's the better striker. And if it stays on the feet, which I think Cejudo's wrestling will allow him to neutralize what Aljo wants to do on the ground, I think that Cejudo wins that fight. And I think that if Cejudo is matched up with Sean O'Malley, that he beats Sean O'Malley as well. I'm just looking at it strictly from a matchup standpoint based on how the year is looking like it's going to play out. I'm going to go with Henry Cejudo to be the bantamweight champion at this time next year, which would really, like uh, BC said, be a, a very, very triumphant moment for him to come back after that layoff and uh, regain the title. And then maybe set up a Volkanovski fight in 2024. But now we're talking like magic stuff. So let's, uh, let's stay away from the sorcery and move on to the featherweight division. Myself and Mark Raimondi, the only ones who picked Volkanovski to be the champion at this time of year. The other three picking Max Holloway, who lost 50-45 on all three scorecards uh, in that trilogy fight with Volkanovski. Tough to pick against Volkanovski right now at featherweight. Is there anybody who is brave enough to do it? No? Nobody? Why don't we just I, I wish I could. I wish I could because if you look at featherweight right now, like the new generation coming in at featherweight is frankly extraordinary. 
right? Like between Ilya Teporia, Movzar, Evloyev, you got Arnold Allen there too. Like there is just so much obscene talent in this division. I just don't think they're going to get the opportunity in 2023 that maybe will come in 2024. I wish I had the balls to pick it. Yeah, and the interim title is going to be unified, right? Like I could maybe see an actual undisputed title fight only happening once next year. Maybe Volkanovski fights the winner of that interim fight in like, you know, August, September, and then that's probably it. Yeah, Sean's just naming all these hammers in the division, and Emmett and the Ayur Rodriguez aren't even mentioned. They're the ones actually fighting for the interim title. So we'll have to see uh, how that one plays out because that's uh, an interesting time. Lightweight championship. Everybody said Makhachev except for me, who's at Oliveira. We'll start with Mark. Well, maybe I should just ask it this way. Well, actually, we got Volkanovski on the horizon, so let's just go and go around the table. Anybody uh, leaving Islam behind and going uh, on the Volk train? We'll start with Mark Raimondi. I, I think Islam uh, Makachev is the champion by the end of next year. I just, uh, I think that it won't be an easy fight against Volkanovski in February, but I think that the size advantage, the the skills and the wrestling and grappling, I mean, Islam is kind of a different level, I feel, right now. He is, he's kind of the, you know, the, the forebearer. He's kind of the successor to Habib, and I think he's going to be the champ for, for a minute. Mike? Yeah, I think uh, Islam, this is the last one as we go into the final four divisions after this that I feel confident in. It's, it gets chaotic after this. Um, but yeah, I think Islam beats Volkanovski in a very close competitive fight and then beats whomever is after that, Poirier or whoever it may be. BC. Yeah, I think it's Islam. I think he becomes a pound for pound king when he beats Volkanovski, although I respect what Alex is doing in a lot of ways. Um, and I'm wondering if he could become kind of a you know, a breakout pay-per-view star, which sounds crazy at the surface, but he's literally have not only the rub of Habib, but Habib standing with his arm around him at all times. So um, I wonder if Islam won't just prove from a critical standpoint, but may end up surprising us commercially and becoming, uh, you know, becoming a, I mean, that's damn, right? Right? Yeah, absolutely. Sean. I mean, exactly. Right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I think, I think that if you have a guy as dominant as, uh, as Islam, that's, you know, you, you see what he's going to do to everybody, and that kind of thing gathers momentum. It looks like he's going to be around for a while, too. I mean, I know Khabib retired early, but Islam, I think you're at least going to get three, four more years out of him. No, yeah, I, I'm going to make this unanimous. To me, the Islam Magachev era feels like a record-breaking era at lightweight. Lightweight is historically a division of extreme volatility. Like, the the I think the all-time title defense record is still just stuck at three, and it's, all, it's tied by several people. Islam's going to take that record by the time all of this is done, and I just don't see anybody... As BC says, I don't see anybody in this division right now that can stop him. I think he's just going to take that pound for pound number one from from Volk as well by the end of this year. Yeah, the, it's going to be tough because he's going into Australia, and I can just picture Volkanovski in my head being like, "I told you, I told you," you know, like everybody doubts this guy all the time. Last year, uh, at, at the end of our 2020 show, I believe it was looking ahead to 2021, none of us had picked Volkanovski to be the champion, like to, going into that year, and. I mean, the guy just seems to be silencing the doubters. But the other problem is there's just nobody in this division right now that isn't kind of old. Like, it seems like this is an older division now with people that Islam has already beaten in Charles Oliveira or guys that I think are just going to be past their prime by the time they end up facing. They might be past their prime now even. I mean, that are going to be facing um, Islam Makhachev. And there aren't really that many up-and-comers either, aside from like Atsarukian, who we just saw. 
Oh, see that what you just said bothers me because that's the perception I think for a lot of people of lightweight, but it's not like it doesn't feel like the reality to me because we have this weird incestuous thing going on at the top where the top four guys, top four five guys will only fight each other and will not fight any of the young up and comers. And then you look down in the division, you have the Armands and the Jalen Turners and the Demiris Magulovs and just all these guys, the physios, just like there is an extreme amount of talent at 155 that are just handicapped because they are not going to get their opportunity and they're not going to get it anytime soon. Those guys are going to be pissed when Patty gets pushed to the front of the line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, he's still one of the younger guys in the division, right? You never know. All it takes is probably two more wins, and then you can just act that and give him favorable matchups and just, you know, let's get that train going. But I think him versus Islam would not be uh, would not go well. Uh, we'll. We'll just leave it at that. Um, welterweight division. I think everybody except for me took Shemaev, and I took Usman. So we, I don't think we have any Edwards backers going into this year. This is going to be an interesting year for the uh, welterweight division. We don't know what's... Have you guys heard anything about Usman and his hand and what's going on in March? Because it seems like I'm hearing all kinds of conflicting reports as to whether or not Usman's going to be able to make the walk in March. Well, I think he's doing... Well, I don't want to date the show here. Uh, a live show with Megan O'Leary today oh. on the UFC social platform. So Maybe we should just take that. a step back and wait and, and let the show date itself. Yeah, let's re-record the segment later. Yeah, that's the, the best way to make things happen is when you date yourself. Um, all right, so let's look ahead to uh, the... See, it's me making the off-color joke this time, BC. What was this kind of show? We could have been hanging out a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was waiting for BC to perk up. He looked bored. He looks like he's reading a book. But uh, we'll we'll continue with the uh, the middleweight... Uh, sorry, the welterweight division. Let's go with our picks. Mark, we'll start with you. I, I think I'm not sure what happens in March if he gets uh, if we do the trilogy with, with Usman and Edwards, but ultimately, Usman will get a shot at the title in 2023, and I think that he wins that fight and brings the title back to wherever he's at at that <laughs> moment in time, Colorado, Florida, uh, Dallas, Texas, Nigeria. Wakanda. Uh, yes, or Wakanda, yes. Uh, Usman bringing the title back to Wakanda 2023. All right, Mike. I'm going to double down on Hamzat Shemaev. Let's uh, let it ride. I thought he was going to get it this year. Obviously, things move slowly. Uh, I think if Usman had beat Edwards, we might have got that fight later in the year. Uh, didn't happen that way, but I think after this trilogy happens, he probably gets one in, win in between, fights the winner, becomes the champ. DC. My biggest fear in this division this year is that Masvidal gets the next title shot in like a soccer stadium in England, and you know even Dan Hendo's upset about that suddenly. But uh, yeah, it's going to be Hamza Chimaev because uh, you know the eye test only goes so far, but his eye test is punching me right in the damn face i mean uh it doesn't even matter who ends up having the title by the time he fights for it he's going to win this thing uh and you know conspiracy theories abound about that weird wake up miss will continue all right let's go and brendan shows mind and nowhere else all right sean go ahead uh yeah i'm gonna be doubling down right along with these boys it, to me it feels like an inevitability it's just a matter of time it's a matter of when this man gets his opportunity and at a certain point you just can't hold him back any longer i feel like he is at most one fight away from fighting for this belt it's going to be hamza I would lean towards Shemayev too, but there are so many balls in the air here because we've got, I don't know what's happening with Usman, but if he ends up not fighting in March, then when's he eventually going to fight? With September, something along those lines? There are just a lot of things going on, not to mention Shemayev missing weight that last time and Robert Whitaker needing an opponent at some sort of future date. So there's, there's like a lot happening right now. I might go with the safe pick and just say Usman's the champion at the end of this year. Just, just play it safe because I don't know if I'm convinced that Shemayev is going to a, stay at welterweight, although that Colby fight seems to be have some legs to it, uh, according to Dana White when I last spoke to him. But 
let's see uh let's see what ends up happening with uh, that particular situation middleweight everybody last year said it was going to be israel we were all wrong um let's talk about next year because there aren't that many contenders right now at middleweight i'm going to go with uh, sean alshadi to start no you talk about old divisions this is an old division and i feel like at a certain point like i know we're going to get Pereira izzy three uh, I guess not three, but what it would be four at this point. Uh, I know we're going to get them that rematch. And I do think Izzy's going to learn from his mistakes of the past few. I think he's going to reclaim that title. Uh, and then at that point, I don't know that there's anybody right now at middleweight that I just see beating him. So I say Izzy by the end of the year. BC. I think Izzy ends the year moving up full-time to light heavyweight, whether that comes through avenging the loss to Pereira or potentially losing it. And I think either scenario opens up what is going to become an inevitability here, and that is that Robert Whitaker gets his hands one more time on this championship. And, you know, there are scenarios where matchups fall apart and he can get plugged in and you know we thought he was fighting costa now he's not as of this filming so uh we just know that we have in front of us a living legend and it just so happened that he had a guy on top of him who's also all-time great in adesanya but um man i mean he's still got it he's still the class of it and it'd be an interesting style matchup obviously if poetan hangs on to the belt to close the year and closes it out against whitaker um i think all of us would be picking uh bobby knuckles by the end of that mike bond Man, this one's tough. Um, if Israel wins the third slash fourth fight, whatever you want to call it next, um, they're going to do that trilogy right away. They're going to turn Alex around and do that again. Israel said that's already what he wants. So, like, do you feel confident that Israel could beat this man twice in a row if they fight twice next year? I think he probably wins the next one. Uh, and then I don't know what they move on to. I think they run it back. So, I'm going to say Alex Pereira. Um, but I'm not super confident about it. If they only fight once, it's going to be Izzy. If they fight twice, it's Pereira. Mark? The reason why I didn't pick Hamza Chimaev to be the welterweight champion at the end of 2023 is because I think he's going to be the middleweight champion at the end of next year. And my rationale is this. If Chimaev can't make weight for a fight against Nate Diaz, that was literally a matchup that was handed to him on a silver platter. He was supposed to win that fight. He was a huge favorite. That was going to be a huge jumping off point for his career. Couldn't make weight. Didn't take it seriously. How is How can that man be trusted in a title fight or even another welterweight fight, period? I think his future is at middleweight. I think that's going to be the best division for him. And, oh, by the way, there are some favorable matchups for him in that division. There's a lot of strikers at the top of the middleweight division. And I think uh, by the end of the year, maybe he goes out. Maybe he maybe he's the opponent for Robert Whitaker. Maybe he wins that fight faces the winner of, uh, of Fajeda and Adesanya, and, and we're talking about the Wolf Boars as the 185-pound champ. If he was going to get the title shot, like if I knew Shemaev was going to get a title shot, I think he's a terrible matchup for everybody at the top of that division. I just, I'm not convinced that he does. I'm going to go with Alex Pereira. I think that Alex Pereira remains the champion uh, at the end of next year. Might be another kind of safe pick, but I think he has Israel's number, and I also think that there's not really a whole lot of great talent outside of Whitaker and Israel in the division. I think that Whitaker would be, that would be a tough ask for Whitaker to beat Pereira as well. Like, I don't think that he's going to be able to finish him. So he's going to have to last five rounds with a guy who's got incredible accuracy, incredible striking, and try to not get taken out. Not that he's got a bad chin or anything, but still, I think that's a, a tough ask. Um, let's go to the light heavyweight division. Last year, everybody except for me had Yuri Prokhazhka being the champion. You're all wrong. And I had uh, Glover, who's closer to being the champion right now than uh, Yuri Prokhazhka. So um, I'm going to just say that I had the best answer. Just, just saying. Probably not true. We're all, we're all right in spirit and we all yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, nobody's the champion, so we're all wrong. Regardless. Yeah. I, unless somebody said, oh, it's going to be vacant. 
in which case, you know, that's like winning both showcase showdowns. Uh, I think that uh, we're all wrong. By the way, Sean, I, I've got to say, your baby's sleeping now. This kid is a complete star. So he's the star. This is amazing. This, this never happens. You, you put him right there and there's meetings happening. He's throwing up on me. He's doing something. So this is incredible. He just loves you. All right, Aaron. Sean. Well, I appreciate Case and, uh, and all his hard work right now. Uh, light heavyweight division, Sean. Man, you're right. This is, to me, one of the hardest ones in this whole slate. Uh, it feels like it could be anybody on any given day. And I'm going to pick Magomed Ankalaev just simply because I think he is the best fighter at 120, at 205, not named Yuri Prohaska, and I'm not sure how long Yuri's going to be out. I just don't – I the only thing that gives me pause is I don't know that the UFC is going to be rushing to give this man another opportunity in any sort of big spot ever again. So I don't know that he'll get the opportunity, but if he does, I think Magomed will take it. BC. Yeah, Ankalaev's the best in the division, as mentioned right there. And, uh, you know, I think he's going to learn from what I believe to be his biggest flaw is is sometimes he's too patient and takes too long to crack the code. And, 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 and you know, and if he starts letting shit go, the winner of uh, of Smith versus Teixeira, uh, they're going to have their hands full. Okay, so this guy's the best in the division. Uh, the fight to make is going to be him versus Yeri when he's healthy. But, uh yeah, I mean, I just, it's going to be weird. I mean, the winner, Glover could be a two-time champion, both of them coming, you know, when he was, you know, normally you'd guess he's past the farm at that point. I mean, it'd be wild. Jamal Hill could be the light heavyweight champion this year. I mean, what a mess in this division. And uh, the only clarity they need is is if you have Magomed in your name and then Aaron Bronstetter will tweet the stat and update it, you know, and this guy does. So there you go. Every, every Magomed fight, like uh, that train is never late to the station. Uh, all right, Mike. Man, like, how do you pick this one? There's like six potential guys that could be here. I mean, this division's just such a mess. The only thing better would be, you know, with this uh, Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill fight is if, you know, Jamal Hill misses weight or something and wins the fight and the belt remains vacant. Like, it's just going to be a crapshoot. But I could see like three different champions holding the belt this year. Uh, there's probably going to be turnover. But at the end, my gut told me to stick with some of these other guys and go with Magomed Ankalaev. I do think he's the best guy there. Could probably, you know, maybe Glover wins and retires and vacates. And I know he said he wouldn't. And they do another vacant title fight. And Ankalaev's in there somewhere. I think ultimately somewhere along the line here, if we get three light heavyweight title fights in 2023, he gets into one of those and he wins that. And he's the champ. Mark. Yeah, I have to agree. I think skill for skill, Ankalaev is probably the best fighter in the division. It's close. There's a lot of fighters who could be the champion as we said and maybe vacant is actually uh the best pick but i'm going ankle live and i just hope that he brings that translator back for for the next go around because that was a <laughs> hell of a dramatic performance after the bogovich fight yeah shout out to sergey for that for that performance uh and, when's pearl Hajka back because i feel like yuri can beat all these guys but i don't know how long this recovery is gonna be not next year he's just such a wild card right i, I wouldn't be stunned if he's back in four months somehow yeah, exactly. he just comes mutant, back but then it could be two years too you don't know all right so of all these guys i think jamal hill might be the best of them like it's weird to say because i think that jamal hill i haven't seen a ton of um evidence that he's a you know good at defensive grappling so if he ends up facing ankalaev i think that could be a problem but this guy can just bang and he, and he hits hard that said, I think Glover beats Jamal Hill. So, like, I don't know. There's just so much going on. Like, I think stylistically, Jamal Hill is, like, Glover's a pretty bad matchup for Jamal Hill. But Jamal Hill does have that great equalizer. I'm going to take a flyer and say Jamal Hill at this time next year is champion. Let's go with it. I mean, I, I just think that he's got the best weapon of anybody in the division right now. 
Um, if Yuri's back, though, I think Yuri is going to be the one who ends up leaving with the championship. But Ankolaev is a good pick, too. Uh, let's go to the heavyweight division. I believe everybody had Francis Ngannou last year. Um, so I think we're all right on that one. And I'm, that, that might be the first time we were all right on something. But uh, the heavyweight division has a lot of players right now. Um, Mark Raimondi, your pick for heavyweight champion at this time next year. This is a very tough one because is Francis Ngannou even in the UFC at the end of next year or even at the end of January? No one really knows for sure that answer. And there's the John Jones question. Will Steve Miocic fight ever again? I don't know. But I'm going to pick Curtis Blades. And, and my rationale is just... We kind of know what we have in Curtis Blades, right? He's kind of, he's been consistent. He's fought. Yeah, he's lost a couple. Uh, you know, he's had some some knockout losses to Ngannou, Derek Lewis. But he's pretty consistent. He He's pretty active as far as heavyweights go. And it seems like if they can't do Francis Ngannou versus John Jones, he's the guy that's going to slide in against John Jones. And that's not an easy matchup for, for a Jones coming up from 205. Hasn't fought since 2020. Curtis Blades is a great wrestler. He can He can crack a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to try to, I'm going to, I mean, I don't know if that's a, a crazy pick or, or, or whatever it is, but I think Curtis Blades is the guy at the end of the year. I did not have him on my bingo card. Mike Bonner. Yeah, I don't agree with Mark, but I don't think it's a crazy pick. Um, I think if they go a different direction with a Jones opponent, if they can't go in Ghanu, it's probably going to be surreal gone. Um, he's the one that I think makes more sense to me. Um, probably the DFC, if not Jones, would like to have as the champion. So he seems like the opponent they'd slide in there. But I do think it's going to be John Jones. Maybe this is just hopeless, silly optimism for me, hoping that he is going to fight and uh, win. But let's go with it. This is the year John Jones debuts at heavyweight. He wins that belt and achieves that destiny he's been percolating in his mind for a decade plus. The fact that none of us had John Jones last year showed that we had already given up hope on that. So you're, you're returning to the John Jones. Uh, I'm reviving it. All right. BC. Uh, so asking Francis Ngannou to come back from this kind of time off in a serious knee injury, uh, you know, that's not automatic, obviously. But I think he ends up getting enough of what he wants at the negotiation table to feel happy and put that stress behind him. Maybe not full freedom, but the money he wants and the respect that let's not forget if he could somehow still be the same guy who who you know just demolished uh stipe in their rematch that's a new kind of heavyweight that that we've just never seen and i know he just had a different kind of win it was paul bunyan-esque against gone and there were a lot of different circumstances but if that dude can still be that dude he has a chance to potentially knock out john jones and cyril gone in this next calendar year which uh, again, that's asking a lot, but what we saw him do last April against gone with one knee was asking a lot. If he does what I'm saying he'll do, he'll be the fighter of the year. And I think he'll take some massive step forward to like, you know, immortality, like, you know, and stamp that hall of fame resume and just be this force, this undeniable force that, that, you know, at times we, we saw he could be, I think this time off gets him back mentally, physically where he needs to be. And he's still that dude. And I think he's the only guy that I would favor over John Jones at heavyweight right now without having seen anything. All right, Sean. Yeah, I think a lot of what these fellows have been saying is exactly why this division is so difficult to predict right now. There's just so many question marks. And actually, going back to Mark's pick, I actually really kind of dig the Curtis Blades pick. I didn't think he would get a mention here. He's the worst matchup to everyone in this division, including John Jones, in my mind, outside of Francis Ngannou. I just don't think the UFC is going to do any favors uh, to get him a title shot anytime soon. He feels like someone who might need to win 40 in a row before he actually gets there. So I actually I thought I would be alone on this, but I'm going to go Cyril Gaon. To me, he is the most complete fighter, not named Francis. Singanu. 
I, I, he was very, very close the first time around. We saw a similar situation with Francis where he was close that first time around too. And then the second time he got it. And with John Jones, I, at this point, he needs to prove to me that he's able to still be John Jones, right? Because the last two times we saw him, he very much wasn't. I scored Dominic Reyes for him. And I just, we've seen guys move up and, and gain all that size. And sometimes it just doesn't look good on them. It doesn't work out and they get a little sluggish. So we'll see, but I'm get, picking Cyril Gunn. Yeah, I think I'm going to pick Cyril Gunn as well. I just think that technically he's the best heavyweight in the division. And the one thing that concerns me is if they end up making a match between him and Sergey Pavlovich, like Pavlovich is just an absolute hammer. And I'd be curious to see how a fight like that would go because I think that Pavlovich, if he's going to be on the feet with people, like I don't think Gon's going to be trying to take this guy down. That guy's just got, again, the great equalizer that a guy like Francis Ngannou has that I think makes him a very, very dangerous fighter. Okay, let's, let's go to the uh, newcomer of the year. Um, aside from your son, uh, Sean, who, again, is snoring away in the background, who do you got? This is a tough one because I, I think it depends on what you consider a newcomer, right? In my mind, a newcomer is someone who's fought in the big stage, someone who either performed in the UFC, Bellator, PFL, whatever, just a major promotion. And in that case, I would go Jailton Almeida, who went 3-0 and this year and looks like he's going to be a real player whenever he can sort of figure out which division he's going to be, whether it's heavyweight or light heavyweight. But just if we're going overall grand scheme of someone who we were introduced to this year in MMA, it's got to be Bo Nickel. Because, I mean, that guy just is obscene with how good he is and the potential he is in the ceiling in this division, in this middleweight division for him. So I'll go with those two fellows. BC. Is Erin Blanchfield eligible? I mean, it's good timing. I just sat down with her and she broke news. But, you know, she made her UFC debut in the fall of last year and has won five fights in short time. And, you know, she's 23 and just turned pro at 18. And it's just a lot very quickly and then now she's going out and she's going to fight talia santos who you know for one scorecard change could be the champion right now this is somebody who went from not even on my radar to a legitimate title threat in a division in which one of the greatest fighters that has ever stepped foot in the octagon is currently champion and people are like oh yeah she's cold-blooded so uh that's that to me that's how you make an impression all right mike yeah, so I guess it seems like the criteria is somewhat open here. Uh, I kind of side with Sean and that maybe you had to make your debut in like the UFC or Bellator or PFL this year, in which case I did have Jailtel Almeida as my number two uh, to Jack Della Maddalena, who I thought was the guy, three knockout wins in the UFC, 3-0. and uh, He was the guy that kind of stood out to me as someone that was a newcomer and had success. Uh, Almeida, I think, had like one or two fights canceled this year in addition to being three and oh so if he had got that in he probably would have taken the cake just by more fights had he won it obviously but for now i think him and jack are pretty even and i thought jack's resume the quality of competition was a little bit better mark uh, i think there were some very good picks here i really like the bone nickel one i think that he can be someone you can thrust right into the middleweight division which we were talking about earlier and be a contender but i'm gonna say raul rosas jr uh, youngest fighter ever signed to the UFC, had a really, really great debut this month uh, in the UFC coming off of Contender Series, still just 18 years old. And the one thing that stood out to me in, in Las Vegas at, at UFC 282 is the the reception that he got, the fans. It seems like he already has a fan base. He's uh, he's Mexican-American, uh, you know, speaks Spanish. I think that he can be kind of a crossover star for the UFC in Latin America. And again, just 18 years old already looking good and and who knows what the ceiling is there may not be a ceiling so i'm gonna say rosas jr if i can use bc's criteria i'm gonna go with alex Pereira, who actually debuted after aaron blanchfield did but i'm gonna go with bo nickel i think bo nickel is just like we're talking about a potential future champion here this guy is so good and if you were to like put him against anybody in that division i think he'd be favored against pretty much everybody today except for like the top four guys in that division maybe even 
over Cannoneer, like ranked number three or four. Like, I just think that this guy has got such upside right now. And when I say he'd be favored, I don't mean necessarily to beat them, but I think based on the betting lines, I think he'd be favored against these guys based on just the absolute hype and potential that this guy has behind him. So um, he's going to be my pick for newcomer of the year. Um, upset of the year. There's a lot of good ones this year. Don't, they don't need to necessarily be within the UFC. Um, but, you know, I don't want you to throw like Pat Downey or anything just because it's the biggest Vegas upset. Let's talk about the biggest upset of the year. I'm going to go with uh, Sean first. Uh, two words. Leon Edwards. It has to be Leon Edwards. He was the man. Nobody picked that. No one saw that coming. I understand this is someone who has won a lot of fights in the UFC, but come on, man. It's Leon Edwards. All right, BC. It's not just Leon Edwards for what he said. The method. Fifth round head kick knockout. Like, a, obviously, it wasn't exactly a blind, like, spinning Hail Mary. It was something he calculatedly saw. But, you know, to, to differentiate another great upset, which was uh, – Pereira, but Alex Pereira, but is that even an upset if he beat Izzy twice coming in and the odds were all over the place? Um, dude, like he did it by head kick knockout, and we don't consider him a fisher a finisher of that ilk. That's the ultimate upset win. Uh maybe not as unlikely as when Pena did it to Nunes the year before, but still just holy crap. Well, no, I guess it is as unlikely, right? I mean, Usman was the pound for pound king at the time and in about to even all those records for consecutive wins and basically be fitted for, you know for immortality that's a i mean that's massive man you guys must have some serious anti-uk hate all of you the final minute the final minute of the damn fight like come on all right mike yeah i don't hate these guys picks i had it written down for me um but i did go with florissa pacheco over kayla harrison i just thought you know uh if you thought pacheco was going to win that fight you were like maybe she'll catch her in the first round with something crazy she's been knocking all these girls out maybe 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 that will happen even though it's so low percentage i didn't think she would go out there and be able to handle her on the ground on the feet win a decision there kayla harrison was you know anointed for all this greatness and uh, it all came crumbling down a bit on that night. So Larissa Pacheco beating someone that had handily beat her twice before. That's it for me. Mark. I like that shout by Mike Bomb, but it's got to be Leon Edwards for me. Not just an upset going into the fight, but an upset in the fifth round when he finished the fight. I mean, that was that fight seemed like, it, I mean, he was dead to rights. That fight was over. It, to take you down, you know, to, to break down the fourth wall. I was already writing my lead for my, you know, for my recap. I think I already had like, my takeaway written. That thing, that, that was already written. And then crack, Edwards, head kick, knockout. No fluke there. Set it up perfectly. He's a great fighter, but still upset of the year, no doubt for me. Yeah, I think that has to be it as well. But I mean, there were so many cool, unlikely outcomes. Like the Israel... Israel had that fight in hand and like got finished like in the fifth round. Like we, we've seen this kind of thing happen a couple times this year, like just crazy endings. And I mean, even the Pettis Horiguchi that was like December of last year, like that set the table for it. That was a crazy comeback as well. It's just great to see. I mean, that's why the sport is so awesome as we get to see things like this time after time after time. And it just never gets old. Um, all right. We, we did last hey, Aaron, year. Hey, Aaron, you want to know, you want to know a cool 10 second story? Sure. Go ahead. The only th- the only time I ever pre-written something in a similar situation was before Biz Ping Rockhold 2 at UFC 199 in LA when my editor asked me to do that. That's the same editor Mark has now. He asked you to just write the, <laughs> like, write the story before the fight even happened? Write a feature, a post feature on, on Rockhold and, and his potential case for pound for pound number one in the, you know, within the John Jones dominance. And um, that, you know, I was sitting in the front row when Biz Ping ended that. So, uh, you know, Mark, one day you and I, we can, you know, us too, bro. Us too. Do you still have the feature? Can I read it? 
Do you have a safe no somewhere? One will, no one will ever see that, okay? No one okay. will ever see it. All right, well. If, if we're throwing quick anecdotes out, I got to throw one out as well. Uh, I've missed two UFC pay-per-views or working two UFC pay-per-views over the last, like, I don't know, four or five years. Like, it's not a lot. Both of those were this year, and it was because of this little guy being born. It was Leon Edwards, and it was Alex Pereira. So wow. I'm just saying maybe maybe y'all need to pay me a bunch of money so I can just go away and never cover MMA forever and your pay-per-views will just be amazing from that point on. That's Did all you at least get to watch them, though? Because then you just got to watch them as a fan, which is even better. Oh, yeah. I got to watch them on my couch. Okay, that's great. Beers in my hand. Like, it was great. Yeah, okay. So there you go. What are you complaining about? Let's let's move on. Oh, I'm not complaining. I'm trying to get some <laughs> money from you, fellas. All right. Well, fair <laughs> enough. Um, all right. Hot takes. We did this. Uh, we do this every year. We give our one-star, two-star, and three-star hot takes. And uh, spoiler alert, there's a really good one from last year that we're going to get to. Let's go to Hot Takes One Star. Last year, Mike Bond predicts, Habib's promotion does a 100,000-plus viewer pay-per-view. <laughs> they, 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 they did not do a single pay-per-view. Uh, I, remember, I remember that one. I was like, oh, no, this is going to come back. Does that promotion even exist anymore? I think so. Yeah. I don't think they're doing not U.S. shows right America. now, but, you know. Theory. Not in North America, yeah. 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 Sean Alshadi, Pena defeats Nunez, and then Shevchenko beats Pena to become the new abandonweight champion. Mark Raimondi, major UFC C-star departs and faces Jake Paul. Uh, that one's probably uh, on the cusp of happening, it seems. Um, Brian Campbell, UFC changes. He already talked about this earlier. It has, continues to like die on this, on this hill. <laughs> UFC changes women's featherweight division to heavyweight women, like open weight. And uh, mine was McGregor fights for the lightweight champion. So, I mean, I'm not any more uh, right than Brian Campbell is. But uh, let's, uh, let's give our one-star predictions for this year. So, if you, if you want me to explain, you know, one-star is like a pretty hot take. Two-star is like a fire take. And three is like, you know, Armageddon wings type take. Uh, we'll start off with you, uh, Mark. What's your one-star take for 2023? I'm going to say that Nate Diaz, obviously he's out of the UFC now. He, he does a couple boxing matches in 2023, has some success, builds his brand even more, builds his real fight ink. And then by the end of 2023... We're talking about him coming back to the UFC and fighting Conor McGregor in a trilogy fight sometime in early to mid-2024. All right, Mike. Okay, uh, Mark previewed kind of one of my ones for later, but my original first star one is uh, PFL will establish itself as the clear number two MMA promotion behind the UFC. I think it's kind of neck and neck right now with Bellator. You could make some arguments either way, but I think this is the year where they kind of push away from the pack as far as that number two. BC. Uh, this Dana White slapdick league, it's not making it out of 2023. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, it's such a bad look for a company that is the leader in its industry. But, you know, like, would you see Roger Goodell put out, you know, videos on his Facebook channel of people getting concussive hits? No, you wouldn't, right? So it's like, it's just such a bad look. It'll be his XFL or WBFF from, you know, Vince McMahon comparison's sake. But, you know, I don't I don't know if it makes it the whole season. Uh, Dana White has history in launching things that didn't go, not to steal Ariel's uh, rant from his show against him, but you get my point. Uh, he's dabbling here. He's reaching. And, um, it, you know, the day that a UFC alumni, you know, who's hard on his luck and considering BKFC goes, Oh wait, I'll just go to the slap dick league. I, I used to work for Dana. He's cool. That's the day I'm out of this business. All right. <laughs> all right. It's like Ico pro. All right. Sean, I'll shout yeah. Uh, I have two here. I'm not sure which one's the one star and which one's the two star. I'll just throw this one out. Uh, to me, Hamzat Shemaev 
double champion by the end of this year. It's all timing. It's all coming down to timing, but maybe some weird stuff happens. We've already seen it. We see it every year with some weird stuff happening or random fights being made that we didn't expect to be made. Hamza Shabayev, double champ, end of 2023. This was on, one of, that was one of my takes two years ago. And uh, then that whole thing with him having that bad COVID thing happened, and he like barely fought. So hopefully you're not jinxing him in the same way that I did. PFL are launching a pay-per-view division. And what better free agent to have headline your pay-per-view than Nate Diaz? Nate Diaz headlines a PFL pay-per-view is my, uh, my one-star hot take. They need, they, if they want to get eyeballs, that's the way to do it. Throw I'll a big money at two, Nate baby. Diaz. Yeah, let's go. All right. Two stars. Last year, we had... Uh, Francis Ngannou leaves the UFC as Mike Bond, and they, that one's still wow. open. That one's still open wow. for business. Uh, Mark well Ramon, the uh, women's atomweight division, which everybody predicts every year and never happens. Uh, Brian Campbell. This one is uh, still on the table. Jones never wins a heavyweight fight from Brian Campbell, and if you're going to predict it for 2022, that didn't happen. Um, Sean, this is the best take of everybody that, that anybody had of last year. Alex Pereira somehow works his way into a title fight and stuns Izzy. That was the actual Sean wow. Alshadi prediction from last year. And, uh, That's right. And then mine was the UFC signs Kayla Harrison and actually builds up the women's featherweight division, which ended up being an, a horrible prediction and didn't even come close to happening. There might have been only four featherweight fights all year. Um, let's go. Two-star take. We'll start with you, Sean. Uh, I have to ask. We've done this like three, four years now. Has What's the highest star that somebody's correctly gotten right? Do you have that offhand? I don't. I'm going to just say it's me then. That's All right. Fine. Uh, I mean, <laughs> hey, I mean, Brian was still sort of right also for his two star. So you guys are tied. There you go. Me and BC. Uh, two star take. Again, this one just comes down to timing. Bo Nickel, UFC champion, middleweight champion by the end of 2023. Wow. Okay. Wow. Well, that's that's a pretty intense wow. take since he hasn't debuted yet in the UFC. BC. Jimmy, did you pick Tremayev and Bo Nickel to both be the champion at the end of the year? <laughs> He's hedging his bets. I, 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 I'm hedging. I'm hedging. I'm yeah, throwing out different things. One of them's going to stick, you know? One's going to be oh, interim right. champion. Yeah, I, did go. you get a two-star take, Mark? Let's go. All right. Was this, I may be sharing Ray Mundy's one-star take. I, I was checking a text message. I didn't hear him fully. But uh, I think, you know, Jake Paul showed that he was too good in that Anderson Silva boxing match. I think Nate Diaz looks around, tries to, you know, get some bids from other people, tries to raise his value, but then ends up re-entering the McGregor return fight com conversation because we could just as easily see McGregor come back this year and fight everyone from Tony Ferguson to Michael Chandler to, you know, RDA, whomever. But could the UFC offer Nate enough money to make him fight Conor the third time here and we make this, you know, the only thing this calendar year that I think the UFC really lacked, which was, you know, crossover, mainstream, attention-getting, kind of like super celebrity fights, that type of thing. Uh, so, yeah, Diaz McGregor 3 back in the UFC the next year. Mike Bond. Wow, Brian also partially taking my uh, three-star hot take, but I am going to, for the two-star, I don't know if this is a hot take. This is maybe just a way to bring this up, this conversation, which is kind of MMA. So, yeah, I think this one's kind of like MMA adjacent to a way, but I'm kind of bringing it up more so just so we can track where it's at at this point of the year. But uh, Cain Velasquez, I'm going to say that one way or another, you know, innocent, guilty, plea deal, whatever the case may be, his case gets resolved sometime within this calendar year. Uh, I know the wheels of justice can burn slow in the state sometimes, so maybe like Mark can give insight to whether this is even realistic. But I'm going to say, you know, out of hope for clarity for his life and future, that uh, his case gets wrapped up at some point in 2023. All right, Mark, you're up. Yeah, I don't think that's too much of a hot take. I do expect that trial to start sometime 
maybe in the first quarter of 2023. And I mean, I don't think it'll take eight months or nine months. So I think, I think that it should get wrapped up sometime next year. Uh, my, my two-star hot take is that Endeavor, the UFC's parent company, purchases WWE by the end of this year. And uh, they, start to, they start to do some crossover promotion between the UFC and WWE. That sounds like an eight-star hot take. That's a, yeah, that's a three-star, wow. my friend. Yeah, all right. Well, my, th- Did my you hear about gonna... that on, on Mandy Rose's fan time? <laughs> I have no comments. <laughs> my hot take is going to be uh, more of like a Taco Bell mild sauce to uh, Mark's Armageddon sauce. Um, Valentina Shevchenko finally loses the Women's Flyweight Championship uh, title. Uh, I predicted that she'd be the champion at this time next year, but I also think that the field is starting to catch up. So that's going to be my two-star pick. Three-star picks from last year. Mike Bond, UFC co-promotes with Jake Paul. Oh, that didn't even come close to happening. Uh, Mark Which did the, the again, the, uh, the three-star train is never late. Dana White announces it's his final year as the UFC president uh, in 2023, which I guess is still sort of open-ended. Um, Brian, Kamaru Usman boxes Jake Paul. Sean Alshadi, <laughs> Nate or Francis leave the UFC and promote their own event. And Aaron, Jake Paul fights for Bellator. So the, the, Jake Paul was a very hot topic at this time last year. Why don't we start with uh, Sean Alshadi for the final round of the hot takes? Do I get credit for that? I feel like I should get partial credit for that one. I kind of got it. Yeah, maybe. No? All right. No. Eh, no. Okay. No? Okay. Uh, I'm going to go back to the well. Dana White steps down or announces that he will step down in 2023 or by the end of the year. Somebody's got to do it this year. I'm going to do it. Yeah, the an- so, annual uh, annual event is predicting this. BC. According to Mark Raimundi's math, does that mean Vince McMahon takes over UFC for Dana or or Nick Khan? Triple I can't H. figure it out. Triple H. Or Ariel. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. All right. There you go. Uh, very, very, very unlikely to happen. This is a hedge of the Al Shati variety, considering I already told you that Ankalaev would be the light heavyweight champion to end the year. But how about this scenario? John Jones returns first quarter. At Allegiant Stadium against Francis Ngannou. And you know what? He fights really good at heavyweight and shows the heart and chin that we always knew he had. But, you know, he gets knocked out. And he realizes afterwards that, you know, that reach advantage I have at light heavyweight, man, you know, I got to really stay with that. I don't need to be fighting these superhumans. So because Dana's so pleased that John sold big and came back and fought like a man, John gets to cut the line and go right back at light heavyweight for the title to close the year. Sure, you know, we'll we'll act like cutting off that much muscle worked for Roy Jones. Okay, it didn't. But in this case, for very, very unlikely, John Jones ends the year as light heavyweight champion. Mike Vaughn. I'm going to take a little bit from Mark and a little bit from whoever else said it earlier. Uh, Nate Diaz fights outside the UFC. He boxes Jake Paul at some point in the first half of the year. And then the second half of the year, he returns to the UFC and fights Conor McGregor. And the two fights combined sell more than 3 million total pay-per-views. Whoa. Tie it up however you want, but that is my guess. All right. Mark? Uh, I'm also going to uh, make my third star hot take about Jake Paul. I think he signs before the end of the year to do an MMA fight. Probably not with the UFC, considering the bad blood there, but I do think that Jake Paul signs. Maybe he doesn't fight before the end of the year, but signs to fight in MMA maybe sometime in 2024, but the signing will happen next year. Would make a lot of sense for the uh, pay-per-view division of the PFL, in my opinion. I thought that would, would be something that would make a lot of sense. And my three-star prediction is that uh, a UFC fighter, former or present, 
Signs with Power Slap for a special exhibition. Just to upset BC. That's my uh, my, my pick. And, and BC retires from covering combat sports. That, 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 one's just the, uh, that one's just the icing on the cake, that last part. But you know. Um, all right, let's breeze through these last ones as uh, Mark has uh, very important people to see, places to talk to, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's uh, obviously got mixed up there um, on purpose. Anyhow, fight you're most looking forward to in 2023. Um, let's start off with you, Sean. And this is currently booked, right? Not some sort of dream no, you, scenario. You can, book, or even... you, you can book whatever you want, but like, it has to make sense. It has to align. All right. When you said it to us, it said currently booked, so I went currently booked. Oh, uh, did I'll I say go... currently booked? Okay, let's go currently yeah, booked. Yeah, you did. Sorry, my bad. Currently booked. So, I mean, I got to look to Australia. To me, Islam versus Volk, pound for pound, number one versus, again, I think the man that most of us think will probably end up being the greatest, not the greatest lightweight of all time, but at least the record holder for, for title defenses for lightweight. That, I just can't wait for that. That that fight is, is spectacular, and that's going to be so good. That's my pick. Should I mention there's not a ton booked right now, but uh, BC? I thought we were doing book two, and let me stick with that because I don't think Volkanovski will win, but I love that he's willing to do this. The timing is right because he's the pound-for-pound king about to fight the guy in Mahachev who might end up being the pound-for-pound king with a win if he does it in, in a certain way. And uh, I love the balls on Volkanovski. I am intrigued that he used to be, you know, as we hear ad nauseum, a rugby player that was 200-something pounds. I mean, maybe he does move up, and it ain't and it ain't like nothing ever happened. I mean, can you be a five foot two? welterweight middleweight chip i don't know either way um yeah i like this fight a ton i, I mean i love it does anybody have a different answer than this because i think it's kind of a clear no. answer all right let's just there, is this now. ufc only or what i mean you can if you want to jump outside the box feel free is there something else that catches your eye not that's not been booked yet okay, okay. all right well, <laughs> let's go let's go dream fight then dream fight of 2023 uh while b while bc derails the train here uh we'll start with you mark what's your dream fight of 2023 that you'd like to see this is probably something that I picked the last few years, but I really want to see Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. Can we get that fight to happen already? Can the powers that be, can the people involved please put together Ngannou versus Jones? It's the the scariest fighter in UFC history against the guy with the best resume in UFC history. I want to see that fight. Mike. Sam. All right, BC. I really, really want to see Usman Nurmagomedov versus uh, AJ McKee for the Bellator uh, lightweight championship. Those are at, you know, if they, if that ends up happening this year, it's might have to take part in a grand prix tournament, but uh, that that's, you know, to that, that's it. That's it. I mean, that's, that, that's the, uh, there, there's not much hardcore in me, but the hardcore fan in me right now is shadow boxing. I love that fight. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah. I love that fight too, but the Showtime guy picking a Showtime fight is not surprising to me. I got to go with the other two fellas here. I mean, John Jones, Francis Ngannou, we've been teasing that for like three years. Can we please just get it? Well, I, you're not going to be surprised by the guy who works for a, a UFC partner picking a UFC fight for this uh, this category. Um, I, you know what? I, I really have wanted to see. I know that everybody's on the Jones and Gano train. I would love to see Jones versus Cyril Gane. Just like from a tactical standpoint, I would love to see how a fight like that goes. I'm kind of just trying to be a contrarian here because I do think that uh, John Jones versus Ngannou is an amazing fight. But I would equally like to see Jones versus Cyril Gane. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, all right. Surprise fighter from 2022. Um Sean, do you have a surprise fighter from 2022? You mean That's for 2023, right? Yeah, you said surprise fighter for 2023. Who writes oh, the rules here? Yeah, I think I made a mistake on that one. <laughs> All right, so let's let's just stick with that then. So who's going to be the surprise fighter of 2023? <laughs> oh, so this was supposed to be this year? Okay, yeah, it's that supposed was, to be. That's uh, fine. I made a mistake. Uh, I guess Alex Pereira. I don't know. Um, no, for, for 2023, I have two. I split this for, for mine, both in the same division. Again, I mentioned this earlier, the featherweights. Movzar Ivloyev. 
uh, and Arnold Allen. One of those two is going to get some opportunity that we just don't expect, and they're going to get a little chance to make a little run. And I think both those guys are so extremely talented. So I'm taking a little twosome there. PC. I think this is kind of a weird one because normally it's somebody who's about to break through. I think Brian Ortega is going to surprise us and have one more run in him. He's going to have to tether down the want to walk into oncoming traffic and just get into life or death wars early in fights. But obviously his greatest skill is submission, and he tends to use it as like, uh, you know, a Hail Mary rather than leading with it. Uh, he's got to come off of injury, but, you know, he's a happy man. I mean, you know, there's domestic bliss in his life right now. He's still young enough. Uh, if he can put the, I mean, a lot of times with these guys, man, I mean, it's just the, the got to find that balance at the right time. I still think there's more growth and maturing as a man and as a fighter. And uh, he's still right there in my eyes. And I'm going to, you know, he's going to have nine lives with me forever. So I'm probably going to keep picking him every year to be the surprise for the next one. But don't be surprised, guys. You, In fact, you might be surprised. All right, Mike Bond. Uh, through this whole podcast, even talking about the welterweights, no one has said the name. But by the end of the year, we will remember the name. It's going to be Bilal Muhammad. All right, I like that pick, Mark. Uh, I'm gonna say uh, Yasmin Hauregi. I think that she went, she's went two and zero in uh, 2022, and I think that that strawweight division is kind of uh, you know wide open, and I think that she makes a, a big push and wins a couple of fights, and she gets herself right into that contender spot um, before the end of the year. I like that answer as well. You know what? I'm gonna go with somebody who we mentioned a little bit earlier in the show. How about Tatiana Suarez? We just haven't seen her fight in a long time. If she comes out and wins two fights, puts herself in title contention, I think that she will surprise a lot of people because it's just been a while since we've seen her. And Mark, I know you need to go, so let's blast through this last one. Who do you want to see debut in the UFC in 2023? Let's go with somebody who is not currently signed to the promotion. You asking me, Aaron? Yeah. There is uh there is this gentleman who is the I believe he's the interim KSW lightweight champion. He's 25 years old. He's from France, Saladin Parnassi. Tremendous prospect. I think he's like 17 and 1. Uh only ha- only has that one loss in KSW that I believe he avenged. Just an absolute blue tripper, absolute stud. I hope that before the end of the year he's in the UFC. He's really really good. Mike uh, well, you changed the rules on us once again at the last minute saying he's not currently signed. So I did have Bo Nickel down as the obvious clear choice I mean, choice everybody here. wants to see Bo Nickel but, debut, but let's, take, well, let's go off the board. specify these things, Aaron. Uh, I'll go with Kayla Harrison then. If you want an off-the-board thing, I will go with a uh, former, I think, champion of that organization in South Africa. Or, yeah, South Africa, uh, Themba Garambo. He's fighting uh, Billy Goff coming up. This dude's been in my DMs for like five years saying mm-hmm. how he's going to be the next big thing in the UFC and etc etc so i'm gonna put his name out there and see if he can deliver all right bc anyone in your uh, dms that uh, you would like to promote yeah i thought we were told explicitly not to talk about this side of covering mma um i will tell you that this guy you know this guy malikin and one championship the guy that uh sent to uh, rdr to hell and won the light heavyweight championship he's got the interim heavyweight championship he's one of those outside the ufc guys that when i my mind allows me to imagine him in it I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by this guy. Uh, what's his first name? Anybody know this guy well? Anatoly. Is one thing. Anatoly. Yeah, Anatoly. Right. That guy's a freaking hammer, right? Damn. All right, Sean. I actually really love the Malikin pick there. Good, good shot, BC. That's a good one. That man's a monster. I hope we get to see it sometime. Uh, again, you changed the rules on us. So I had Bo Nickel as well. Also heavyweight John Jones, and I'm just sticking with heavyweight John Jones because, frankly, I'm sick of hearing about it, and I just really, really want to see it. And hopefully, this is the year we can get it done. You know, I think all of us probably would have looked at Reiner DeRitter if he wouldn't have lost that fight. I, I, mm-hmm. I think everybody wants to see that guy debut um, up until we just saw him get utterly demolished in that fight. Um, I'm going to go with the Lazy King, Abdul Abduragamov, who's in uh, 
Eris FC. This guy's under the radar, but I think that if, if we get to see him, he'll he'll make some noise in the uh, UFC. Guys, thank you. I, I love doing this with you every single year, going over the hot takes, recapping the, the previous year. It's always a, a lot of fun, and I'm glad you guys were able to take the time out of your busy day to, uh, to do this. And Mark, I know you had a hard out. We went two minutes over. I, I apologize for that. I want to thank uh, all of you. I want to thank your, your son, Sean, for being such a trooper for this entire duration of the show. Really had the most impressive performance of the day and possibly the year by uh, staying asleep and not making any noise throughout the entire show. So it was fun, Aaron. Appreciate you, man. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy holidays to everybody as well. Enjoy it, and we will see you in 2023. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.